So many rehab chiropractors get their business going on grit, hard work, and determination, but eventually get stuck. I'm so excited to introduce a new segment of our podcast where we interview leading experts in the rehab chiropractic field. In this episode, I interview Dr. Jeremy Dinkin of RSM Sports Medicine and Rehab in New Jersey. Jeremy started his practice right out of school and has quick success, but like so many rehab chiropractors, he got stuck. Now, it's one thing to open a business that supports yourself. It's another to do what Jeremy has done. He's opened a business and now supports his wife, his new baby boy, and he pays a mortgage. And he also eats some pretty nice dinners according to Instagram, so I guess he's paying for that too. If you want to replicate the same success as Jeremy, here's his path to success with me. He started with Cairo Business 101 and then joined my Rehab Cairo Mastermind program. If you'd like more information, email me coaching at strivetomove.com. Enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, Dr. Jeremy Dinkin, you are here, and I want you to know... um, you are making history because you are officially going to be the first guest on the podcast. Everything else has been solo from this point beforehand. So congratulations. I'll have to send you a medal or something so that this does go down in history as the first interview uh, in podcast history. So how are you today? I'm good. I'm actually, I'm honored. So that's, that's a cool stat, um, especially considering where we started from. We started from way back, which we'll get into. Um, but before we get into any of that, sort of tell us about yourself, where you're from, a little bit about how you got started, and then we can go from there. Cool. So yeah, I went to, um, I played football at Monmouth University. And from there, um, I got into chiropractic because one day I was driving home with a neck brace on after a, a neck injury. And my neighbor happened to be a chiropractor. And he kind of conned me into going to his office as one does. And, um, I didn't, I didn't know anything about about chiropractic up until that point. And so I thought I was going to be injured for quite some time. Um, obviously had a neck brace on, it was a pretty scary injury. And after seeing him for one visit, I immediately felt better. I felt like I could practice, you know, right away. And it was like, you know, kind of a a crazy chiropractic moment for me where I was like, I I definitely want to get into this field. And help people the same way. So I ended up working for that chiropractor. And from there, after a couple of years, he kind of talked me into, you know, becoming a chiro myself instead of taking the, the trainer out. So I applied out to, uh, applied to the school in California, got in and had no idea what I was going to do still like halfway through school. So I just kept shadowing and shadowing. And that's where I met uh, Dr. Ben. And mm-hmm. he eventually introduced me to you. So I'm very, I'm very thankful that I had that, um, that drive to just shadow as many people as I could, because I don't think I would have, you know, come across all the cool people that I've met unless I had that drive. So I ended up graduating, coming back here and doing part of my 10th term with you, part of it in Connecticut, because that was the rules at the time. I'm not sure if that changed, but I had to do my externship in Connecticut because New Jersey and New York 
weren't offering it. So I got a, I got my feet wet with you, and that's when um, you know everything for me started to click in terms of you know what I needed to do to start my own practice. And just within that few couple months, I had already known like so much more than all my colleagues just from being with you. So I was like, I felt very confident in starting my own practice. And then once graduation happened, that's what I did. And I, I chose to do the part-time job along with my own practice and then slowly build from there. Got it. Good. Good summary. So how long officially have you been out of school at this point? I just about three years actually was my anniversary um, for RSM, like February. Got it. So cool. It's been three yeah. years since uh, I opened. Yeah. Good. And so, you know, one of the things, just the lessons, so there's a lot of students that listen, you know, they ask me about associating or starting your own or, you know, a hybrid of both. And, you know, like we will find out you can be successful with, with either way. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, where we should get started is when you worked with us, I think we did a lot of good clinical stuff, but take us back to 10th try when you started in our office, maybe from a business side or a market, like what was it that was the first eye-opening experience for you? Because I think that's where a lot of students or potential sort of rehab chiros get stuck is they don't really think about that other side. So take us back to that time and what you were thinking and how your eyes did get open. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I remember um, earning your trust when you asked me to, to uh, do an assessment on you and uh, we figured out that it wasn't actually your groin. So that was cool. And I think from there you were like, all right, this guy's got like the clinical knowledge. Um, I think it's time for you to focus on the business stuff. And I remember you saying to me, literally, I brought my, my textbooks to shadow with me and you were like, it's time to start reading other type of books, like business books and marketing books and that stuff. Like you're good on the clinical stuff. Like it's time to expand your knowledge in a different field. And that was, I remember that like it was yesterday because it hit home like big time. I was just, you know, three years straight of clinical stuff, science, anatomy. And yeah, that's all still like my passion. And I love that stuff. But you opened my eyes to the opposite side, which was the business and um, like the marketing stuff. And I had never been exposed to that. And as you often say, you know, we we go through like years and years of just being like the student and we never really get like the, the other side of things, which is like being the business owner and like, you know, seeing it from that lens. Right. So that was, that was definitely the, the eye opener for me. Yeah. And I think that is sort of what you're talking about is the crux of coming out of school and opening your own thing is that, you know, as we talk about on our mastermind call, once you decide what you're going to do, the choices become very limited. And if you're going to open up your own practice, you don't really have a choice anymore. You have to be good clinically. We know that, but you can't just throw everything out the window as far as a business is concerned because you are not, you know, you're in business, you're running a business, you own a business and there are business skills just like clinical skills that have to be learned. And so upside or downside doesn't even matter, but just the awareness. And that was all I was trying to do is bring the awareness on if you want to be an amazing clinician, then all you should do is obsess on clinical, which is actually what I did for the first two years as an associate. But if you're going to run a business, we have to learn how to run a business. And that's always been for me of just sort of understanding what you want and then making the decision on, you know, does your calendar reflect your priorities on 
what are you reading? What are you studying? What are you taking time to do and learn? And, uh, you know, that's, that's absolutely the most important thing when you're, you know, whenever you're having that type of, of conversation. And so the fact that we could teach you that early on and we can make sure that you understood that if you were going to own your own practice, you actually had to own a business as well as the clinical side of it. So let's fast forward. You started your own, you worked part-time, you had your own thing going and, um, you know, we kept in touch sort of formally, informally. And then um, at some point, I think, and again, you can explain the situation. You're working with other coaches and all of that. And sort of we reconvened when I sort of formalized my coaching program. And um, I remember still sitting in the cafe that day of going over your business. But tell us where your business went from the time you started till the time that, you know, we got started in the, uh, in the business coaching realm, so to speak, about almost coming up on eight, nine, ten months ago. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I uh, after realizing that I needed help in the business world um, from being at your office, I decided to take a stab with a with a coaching company, I guess you call them, um, like a mastermind group. And I was locked in for a year, and it started off really good. Um, the networking was great, the information was good, and you know, slowly it just fizzles out, and like it's kind of like the similar stuff. The monthly calls was like getting repetitive and it was kind of just like people talking about their own stuff. Not really like nothing was like advancing me. It was just like the same old conversations every month. And I started to notice that. And, you know, even though, even though it was, it was a good crew of people and nothing against them, it was just getting, you know, it it was pretty stagnant. And so I decided to leave that after the year was done. And I chose to do another group in the fitness world. And, um, I, again, got locked in for a year. Um, I was all in in the beginning. Everybody was like motivated and it was great. Like we did like the first 12 weeks together. Everybody was just like fast paced, go, go, go. And then, you know, again, slowly just like fizzled out. The information kind of doled out. And, um, you know, again, I, I saw my business kind of just like at a standstill. So I reached back out to you and I was, you know, having, we had some great conversations. I had some good questions for you. And this is when you were putting together your whole program. And I was just like, I guess I'm going to jump in again. And, <laughs> um, you know, I, I figured this was like going to be the best option for me in terms of long-term. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a long-term guidance, um, at least for more than a year, because I kept jumping from coach to coach. And just like in training, that's not the ideal situation. So I wanted somebody who I could trust, who was going to push me each and every month, um, if not week. And, you know, when we had our discussion, it was, it, we hit it off again. And I liked your plans that you had for my business. And I just wanted to go all in. Cool. And talk about, so the first program you joined was our Cairo Business 101, which I always say is basically the fundamentals of how to run a business. It talks through sales principles, marketing principles, uh, communication principles, finance, and, and things of that nature. So take us back to that program. That's how most people get started. And I guess for you, even though you'd been in my world before and worked in our office, what was it about that that got you going in a direction that you hadn't been before? Um, I think it was just, you know, when you're, when you're unorganized and like you start to get stressed out. And then when you start to get stressed out, as, as you know, you start to work more and more and more and it's not, not really efficient work. So, you know, just getting organized again and having a structure and a system where you can, you know, rely on that instead of just winging it, which was, all I did for the first two years um, was much more easy for my headspace. 
much more efficient in terms of working. And it just brought a lot more structure to the entire business, which is huge. And, um, you know, it helps you, it helps you in all facets of life, not just business, you know, it helps you have more time with your kid, have more time with your wife, have more time at the gym, um, not stress out about missing those things. And, you know, I had no structure at one point and I was just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. And even though I know how to work hard, I was just, you know, running one way and in all different directions. Right. Yeah. You, you touched on it and it's something that I do want to speak about. Um, you know, when I first met you, you were not married, had no kids and didn't own a house. And then now you're married, own a house and have a, a new little baby boy. And now at this point, your wife is, is home with, with the baby. And so you're the sole provider. And, you know, we talk about a lot in our mastermind program, you know, we can't separate business and personal. It's a real thing. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, makes me proud in this program is watching somebody like you be able to support their family with the business that you've created. Not, this isn't a hobby. This isn't a part-time thing. It's not just something that we're interested in and excited about. Um, this is real life, you know, it pays a mortgage, it pays car payments, it pays for your baby to eat. So talk about your experience with that and maybe share, you know, that experience with someone out there who, um, you know, might be a business owner scared to go and may take the leap because of the other responsibilities that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. So I always uh, gave myself a time frame. Like I said, when I started the business, I went part-time at a clinic and part-time starting from scratch for RSM. And, you know, in the beginning I had to pay rent, I had to pay back loans. I had, um, you know, a ring to get. So <laughs> um, I definitely needed that that steady income. And then I was just trusting myself to bring in the rest. So after about a year, it was about, um, right when COVID started was about a year later. So it kind of delayed my, my year goal. Um, but shortly after in June, I started to see the business hit, uh, minimums that was okay with me to finally make that jump off. And I think that that was one of the best and craziest decisions I've ever made, but it was definitely the best decision I've ever made because. I was then confident that no matter what, I had that minimum per month. And I was able to even add to that because I was adding more days to my own business. So I was leaving the three days part-time and going full-time on my own starting in June. So a year and a couple months after I started. And it was definitely scary because then you're, you know, you're the only person that's, you're relying on yourself and you're not working with anybody. It gets pretty lonely sometimes, but you know, you just, you trust yourself, you bet on yourself. Um, you provide the best possible care that you can. That's I've prided myself on that since day one. And that's why I took this cash route. Uh, nothing against insurance clinics and all that, but I just felt like to deliver the highest quality care, I wanted more of a cash, cash-based practice where I can provide at least an hour of care for each person. Um, and you know, being able to leave that part-time job and then see myself grow through a pandemic and then into like what it is today, it's just... I mean, I got to attribute that a lot of that help to you and, and keeping me structured and motivated and focused even through the, the downs and the ups. Um, it is definitely scary, but you have so much more time to invest in yourself when you're all in right. and making that jump off point was, was huge. Yeah. So I was going to ask you a big decision you made, but you, you know, you answered that already, but let's go, um, let's go into 
I remember again, going back to that coffee shop and we sat down and, you know, every time I take on a client, I sort of, I send them a, a pre-questionnaire to have them fill out to decide and get an idea of where their business is and what I think the few little changes we should start to make, which they feel like little changes, but as we know, done correctly, two or three changes make a huge difference. And, um, you were, I think, the third client that I took on. And what I noticed by the time I saw you was everyone was in the same pattern. Every single person was, you know, on the younger side, very, very motivated, got their practice going, cash-based, rehab-based, and then got stuck. And what I mean by stuck is you were got to the point, I think, and you could, you know, explain it better than even I can, but I just envision getting to a point where you're running out of hours in the day and the week, your schedule's sort of getting busy and you look in the bank account and there's not enough money to hire someone. You're barely making enough to pay your bills. And then you kind of look up and say, what the hell's next? And so it's like we get started really fast based on being motivated and getting, getting it going. And then we eventually get stuck. So Talk through that a little bit because I think so many, again, in the rehab Cairo world, the cash-based world, people that get exactly where you were and then eventually get stuck. What was the feeling like? When did you sort of recognize that? It's like, okay, something has to change. Yeah, that's a good one, actually, because I remember feeling exactly how you say it, like stuck. Um, I was hitting certain numbers, which were you know good for me. But in terms of progressing and keeping it going and eventually turning that into, like you said, a higher and my own place eventually, um, I felt stuck. So that's when I reached back out to you because I, I knew that I had no systems in place. I was still very unorganized, even though I knew what I had to do. Um, implementing it for me was tough by myself. And I didn't have guidance, to be honest. It was just like, I didn't know what to, where to do things in, this, in like specific orders. Um, I didn't know like the process of selling really. I was just winging it and right. which I've done for, you know, I did it for two and a half years, even though I had coaching, there was no really organizational structure where I could like follow a good pattern like I do now. Yeah. And now it just makes it so much easier. You mentioned the word sales and it's a conversation we speak about all the time. You know, when I'm interviewing potential candidates, when I'm talking to coaching clients, when I'm speaking to colleagues, and as I always say, going back to the Cairo Business 101 course, the name of the lesson is sales that doesn't feel sleazy. It's become sort of this negative connotation in our business. And I try to explain to people that if you feel like it's sleazier or you feel like you're pressuring someone, that you're doing it wrong in the way that we teach it. So walk the audience through your perception of it, because I could speak to them blue in the face, but obviously I teach it, so I think it's great. But, um, you know, you you came into our world and you've even seen it change over the years as, as I've learned and progressed in my own education. But talk to me about what the sales process means to you and how you feel about doing it and, you know, what, what that looks like. Definitely. So like you said in the beginning, I definitely felt that exact feeling again, like you said, uh, sleazy. And I got nervous for a bit because I didn't think that I could ever get through that hump because, you know, a year in, I'm still giving discounts for no reason. And I just was, I felt salesman-y, even though I wasn't being that at all. Um, It just felt like it for me. And when I started to get more confident in how I practiced and how, you know, the results were being produced, I was like, 
you know, and, and being in the group obviously helps a lot too, because it's a mindset. It's definitely a mindset shift where you're just providing, you're, you're helping people. And you have to realize that at the end of the day that you're honestly just trying to help people. And it's not so much about like sales as people used to think of it, uh, especially myself. It's more like, this is what you're offering. You can describe it the best you can. This is how we feel like we can help. And it's up ultimately up to the person to decide if they want to buy. Um, so that's, that's been a huge mindset shift for me. Um, cause like I said, in the beginning, it was just, I felt very, I never wanted to be aggressive. I never have been like that with sales in my whole life. So uh, in the beginning, I felt kind of awkward selling and I hated the money exchange and all that. But um, as I've progressed through the group and as I've progressed in business, it's become much more second nature. And I feel much more confident because I truthfully am just trying to help people. What do you think the talk about the mindset? You know, you talk about the money exchange and, um, you know, the offering people your service. What, what is it about that mindset shift that someone could listening to this could really take away as a, as a key to kind of help them shift their mindset? I think it's just, honestly, I think I had a bad relationship with money and I think the awareness of that and then like, you know, kind of putting it into perspective, like we pay, we, we don't pay upfront cash for a house. We don't pay upfront cash for a car we don't pay upfront cash usually for a cell phone. And so there's ways that you can buy things that you want without having to fork over all that money at once. Yeah. And when it came to like a cash practice, I, I was running my practice that way. The big numbers kind of even scared me as I was like, I was the one selling it. So <laughs> um, kind of shifting my mindset around how I viewed money and how others use their money definitely helped me a lot. Right. That's, that's a really, really good insight because, um, I could teach everyone the tactics and the strategy and what to say and how to say it. But if we don't fix the mindset and your relationship to it, you know, it's one of those situations where I always say, I can say, Jeremy, well, what did you say to this person? And you tell me what you said and it's exactly right. But then the question becomes, how did you say it? And if your relationship with money is what you were talking about before of a negative connotation and you felt like you were taking people to the cleaners and you felt like you weren't doing the right thing by someone, that person's going to notice it. They're going to notice it in your body language. They're going to notice it in your tone. They're going to notice it in your lack of confidence. And if you're not confident in, in what you're providing, how is someone else going to be confident to pay for it? So you know, the kind of that mindset shift that um, that we try to speak about so much, if I could change one thing for somebody, it's it's their mindset surrounding it. Later on, I could tell you what to say. Teaching the the strategy, uh, teaching the tactics of what to say when is easy if you have the mindset around it. Right. right. And that's, that's why I love the group and the group calls every week because we always kick it off with the mindset stuff. And that's honestly, I write those down every week and they're super helpful. Yeah. So you're talking about, so in our, we have the Cairo Business 101 program, which is, you know, get you going, teach you about business. And then as I always say, the, the rehab mastermind is a, is a mastermind. It's about you, right? It's about growing you. And I think we're all being irrational if we think that we're going to grow up with parents and then um, go to school and have mentors and have coaches that go to chiropractic school and have mentors and coaches. And then, you know, we get into practice and all of a sudden we think we don't need help. And, you know, the most successful people that I know are all have mentors and coaches at every single level. And, and again, sometimes it is just that mindset shift, that weekly reminder. And at some point for me, as I talk about, it's like, 
uh, I'm not going to teach anything new. Most of the time, we just need to be reminded of of all of these different things that we forget. We have one bad interaction, and we think, you know, it's it's everything in the world is horrendous, and we just have to be reminded of like, no, 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 it doesn't really, it doesn't really work that way. Um, right. I wanna I wanna go into, um, you know, you talked about the big win is to get started. Any other really big wins in the last? you know, six months to a year that you can look at in your practice as, as the huge win for you? Um, honestly, overcoming my fears of like going to meet new people and network. Um, believe it or not, I don't, I don't know. I've been told that I was a little polarizing on Instagram, but I'm actually a very shy person. And to me, going into a random gym that I've never been a part of or don't know anybody there is kind of intimidating. So just facing those fears going into pe- like 99% of the time, those people are very cool and welcoming. Um, they, you know, have at least a 15, 20 minute conversation with me. It's not like very fast and transactional. Uh, we kind of get to know each other and making those relationships have been a tremendous win. And, you know, some of those relationships have turned into like referral networks. I uh, work with a gym up in North Jersey or Northern from where I'm at, I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Jersey and, they send me a ton of their clients because we made that relationship. And I went in there one day, hit it off with the owner. He ended up being a client. His wife ended up being a client. And you know that turns into a, an amazing referral network. And when you do good by people and you do good by their clients, they'll just you know the, the funnel keeps coming, and you're not really you're not that's free. Like you're not paying for Google ads there. You're just having good conversations with people. And I think overcoming that fear that. Like, oh, these people aren't going to like me. Like, I don't know CrossFit too well or whatever it is. It's just conquering those fears and then attacking, not being, not being afraid. Great. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a big win. And I agree. I think that's a huge, huge lesson. Uh, talk about big, like some losses that you've had. You know, it's not all rainbows and uh, gold and gold here. So talk about some of the losses that you've had in the past six months. Definitely years. not. Um I think a huge one would be making the mistake of trusting a third party with my billing and insurance. So 90, 90%, maybe a little less, maybe 80% of the practice is cash-based. And the other 20% would be out-of-network insurance clients. And with those 20%, I, I went with a third party that would bill their insurance. And I just trusted them and doing all that whole process. And so, as I've told you many times, it's been very hectic, very unorganized, um, a lot of miscommunications. We recently just got a check from 2020. So could be two years. I'm waiting for a check. Um, it's just been, it's been, a, it's been a struggle. And then through sometimes, like through the tough times of, of a cash flow not being as high as I want it to be, you're expecting those insurance checks to come in and they don't come in for months or even years. So that was definitely a, a huge loss and I'm glad that I addressed that and now I have moved on from them. But it was definitely a learning lesson and definitely I take uh, full ownership of just you know letting the reins be and not really following up with them every week and every day and all that. So good learning lesson, but definitely a big loss in, in, uh, in my opinion. I think it's an it's a amazing point for a few reasons. You know, we graduate school and you ask people, okay, you're going to be out of network or even in network. And it's like, well, what am I going to do? And some random guys like, I'll just hire a billing company. 
All right. And and again, yeah. that's about the level of instruction that we get. And so we hire a billing company and it's like, all right, I'm going to hire a billing company. And in the, the next sentence in your head is like, I won't have to worry about it because someone else exactly. is going to do it. <laughs> and, and, and this is a great idea. And I've seen it play out, unfortunately, multiple times of the difference between outsourcing your billing and abdicating. Right. And again, this is a business lesson, right? There's a difference between outsourcing and abdicating. And in your situation, one of the things that we've discussed is that abdication of just like, let them take care of it. I'm going to treat the patient, send the charge and let them do it. Now this could happen in your Google ads. This could happen in your marketing. This could happen in your emails. This could happen in your billing of just kind of letting someone else take care of it and then praying that it happens. And again, if I told you that, first of all, Unfortunately, you're not the first person. I mean, I've been in practices, I've worked with, I've seen, I've consulted with practices that have had, you know, five-figure amounts of insurance money that they're waiting on. And to your point before, the concern, first of all, mentally, it's exhausting, right? If you're waiting for your checks and waiting to get paid, it's absolutely exhausting. Number one, you're not going to be the same doctor because you're thinking about the insurance payment and you're not focused on that patient in front of you. Number two, you're not going to be able to work on your business because you're thinking about, am I going to be able to pay my bills this month? Am I going to pay my rent? Because of, as you said, cash flow. You know, if you have money that you haven't seen since 2020 that hasn't come into the bank, you know, waiting on that at some point, you're going to run out of money. And again, we talked about before about someone like you who's got a mortgage and got a baby and a wife and the whole thing. And that's a real, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. And for me, you know, when I'm, when I'm coaching and and looking at someone like you, who obviously is super motivated and has already had a wild level of success, my thing just becomes, how do we limit the things that are going to not allow you to do what you do best? And that's a great example of something that, you know, if you're fighting with yourself or your insurance or your wife, because she's helping you, you're not going to be the same person, not the same business owner. You're not going to be the same, you know, practitioner. And at the end of the day, everyone suffers. And so I think it's a great lesson about understanding, you know, we started with billing, but a higher level business concept of what are the things that are distracting you? And is it because, you know, you turned outsourcing into abdication and didn't have a follow-up system and process. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think it's, it's a great, it's absolutely a great lesson. Um, so in the past, in 2021, since you started working with us, you grew 56%. That's a pretty darn good year. What would you attribute <laughs> that to? What would you give, you know, top three things that you'd attribute that to? Um, that top three, definitely being um, more organized in my process. Talk to so, me about, you've said that a few times. What, what, I guess, where were you with your process and how have you changed it? I think a major one, and I, I don't know if uh, a lot of people experience this, but me being in a gym is one of my number one pet peeves was that, you know, people would just walk up. Oh, you got any open appointments? Oh, you, oh, you do? Okay. And then come for that appointment. And then it was gone forever. Okay. So, so let's, let's talk that. about that. Cause that's, yeah. that's again, a huge concept. So many of the rehab chiros out there that would be listening to this are exactly in the same position. And I mm-hmm. promise if you've experienced it, they've experienced it. So For sure. why isn't that good? And what do you do differently now? So that's not good for a couple of reasons. One, um, it's just very transactional, very like, you know, just coming in and getting your quick fix, right? Quote unquote and then being done and then going right back to the gym. Um, I hated it because not only did I not get a chance to 
you know, put someone through what I thought was more valuable and like, you know, at least a couple sessions. In the beginning, I used to actually even market myself as like, get out of pain fast. And quickly as I, as I entered my second year of practice, I was like, that's just not how it works. So I was getting people, you know, to... Again, that's another, I I mean, I hate to cut you off, but I think it's, it's important to go into this because I remember being in school and, you know, everyone took pride in, I I fix them in two sessions and they let me know when they need me. But from a clinical standpoint, as a rehab Cairo, talk to me why that, why you found that isn't the right way to go about it. It's just not fair to both parties because it's just not enough time to create the changes that you want. And when you find those limitations and, and whatever you do to find whatever you need to find in your assessment, um, one session is just not going to cut it. I don't care what happens. You can get them out of pain. Simple. That's the easiest thing on earth. But to create those changes that you want and those adaptations long-term, it's just one session is just not going to do it. And you know, thankfully, uh, I've had a lot of amazing feedback and good results. But you know, there's some times where people come in, they they leave after one session forever and then their pain comes back and it's like, Oh, I don't know if he actually helped me or whatever. And it's like, that's not fair to me either. So getting people in the door is one thing now. And it's more of a process instead of just like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to come in for that quick session. And then uh, I'm, I'm done. It's, I don't even offer session by session anymore. Thanks to you. Um, that was a huge shift in the practice, like tremendous shift. I can't even explain how bad. Um, and you know, getting people to stay with you for at least nine to 12 uh, is just much more efficient for both parties. You get to learn a lot more. We get to go over technique. We get to go over a lot more things that I would love to get to go over with with everybody that used to only come for one session. So that's where I provide my value. And I can also make the selling process easier on myself because I'm like, this is all we're going to cover. There's a lot here, right? Nobody else is doing this in the area. So this is why I'm different. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, you know, one of the lines we talk about is the faster they come in, the faster they go out. Now, again, let's have context because I know everyone's going to be screaming. If a patient walks in and they're in acute, like 10 out of 10 pain, it's either you or the emergency room. Like, yes, we help them that day. But as we always say, just because it became an emergency for them that day, is it, it doesn't mean it's a true emergency. And that's when we avoid sort of these transactional, like I want to get fixed today. And, you know, realistically, they they have a right hip that doesn't move and they're lacking lumbar extension and their left ankle stiff. And, you know, again, if, if someone fit, can fix those things in, in one to three visits, then God bless you. Like I, I never could, I don't think, you know, anyone I've ever been around could. Um, so, so that was the first thing. And I guess to be even more tactical, let's dive in a little bit. I'm going to press you here. What, what do you do? Because well, how would you, if you're coaching somebody else that used to be like, Hey, do you have an opening today? He's like, Hey, come on in. Or, and what do you do now to, you know, get them in a proper mode that you can, you know, put them through the assessment and treatment that you'd like? Well, those are the, those are the tough ones for sure. Like the people that used to come and that have been with me for a while. Um, those are a lot more challenging than new people because the new people, I just act like that's how it's always been. Um, for the people that would pop in here and there, right? Like now I have to kind of say, well, why don't you come on in for the, for the discovery session? We have a new system in place, new process that I think is much more valuable. And we're going to do it this way now. And, and, you know, things have changed a little bit, but only for the better, right? Like I, I invest in myself, not only through business, but clinically, you know me, I still go to as many seminars as I can. Um, I'm constantly evolving. I don't practice 
anywhere near how I used to practice two years ago. And I'm not getting worse, you know, I'm getting better. So that's why I kind of have to explain that part and say like, we're not going to do those random sessions anymore. I just feel like it's not as valuable. And if you do want to do that, um, that's totally fine, but we're not going to offer that as much. I'm trying to cut that off. And if you, if you would like that, I know a guy um, who I can refer you to who does do that. Beautiful. No, I think it, that's, it's really good advice because again, we know who's listening to this. There's, I'd imagine 50, more than 50% probably are in some sort of gym setting where, you know, you get a lot of this people that just want to pop in as a new patient like that day. And when I started, you know, I was in multiple gyms, same thing. Um, and you know, again, you live and you learn. And as I always say, like you could continue to be frustrated or you can change your process. And right. again, it's, it's as you, I think you mentioned it, it's best for both parties. If we're going to be a rehab Cairo and practice, you know, SFMA and DNS and PRI, all those different things that can't be a one session and let's see you later. Do you, I mean, I've seen this stuff on, on Facebook of, oh, I let them tell me when you need me. It's like, that means someone's going to SFMA themselves. Like that makes no sense. I mean, the, literally the point of it is that we find things that they can't find themselves. So if we're going to stick true to that as a rehab Cairo, I just, you know, I, I hope you listen to Jeremy here talk about how it's, you're actually not, you're not doing the right thing by your patient and you're certainly not doing the right thing by the seminars and techniques that we all, you know, grown accustomed to, to love and, and practice, um, you know, and, and utilize in our practice. So right. you mentioned, you mentioned something before about that, that fear that you had about going in and speaking of something that we, that you and I talked about a lot of just meeting people and that fear of rejection. But talk to me about when someone says no, right? When someone says no, or that you're too expensive. I know it happened recently. And, you know, talk about how you, how you deal with that. <laughs> so at this point, I'm used to it, but <laughs> when it first happened, um, it was tough to bottle in my emotions because I got a little emotional, right? Like you don't want anybody to say no. You feel like you can help a majority of people. And it's definitely not easy when you just talk through somebody for 20 minutes on a phone call and then gave them 30 minutes of your time again. And then you got another phone call, 15 minutes explaining again, because they had a couple more questions. And then they're still like, yeah, no, like this doesn't, this isn't covered by insurance. Like, I don't think I'm going to do it. You know, that's frustrating for mm -hmm. sure. And especially when you've given your all to explain why you're different and why it's valuable. Um, and I, I truly now, finally, after a couple of years, believe that what I'm doing is like 1000% beneficial for someone's life. Um, and for someone to just make that decision and, and walk away just because their insurance doesn't cover it, it's not a great feeling. But I'm also understanding and empathetic. So I don't get as emotional as I used to. I, you know, I understand that it is definitely an investment, but I don't let it get to me anymore. Um, I, I wish that I could help everybody, but I have to realize also that everybody that walks in the door or reaches out is not going to be a patient. So yeah. that coming, coming to terms with that was super helpful. That's, that's, it's a great lesson and it's a great, it's a great line, especially, you know, as we're doing it. And I, I just wrote down here, um, you wish you could help everyone, but realistically for us, for the right person, we're the right solution. You know, and I think Definitely. people listening might be thinking, oh, are you there in New Jersey? Oh, that means the right person's only rich, or this, that, and the other. And 
we've seen it a thousand times and I'm sure you have too. And just speak to that about there are some people that say yes to treatment that you know don't have a lot that much money. And there's some people that say no that are rich beyond measure and want to use their insurance. So talk about that sort of false belief and how I've been, I'm constantly surprised still, but we share these lessons all the time. But talk about that and what you've experienced that in your practice. Yeah, that was a huge mistake. So everybody told me when I moved to my new location, which is a nicer, very nice area, um, that it was going to be smooth sailing and easy. And, you know, people are going to pay whatever. It doesn't even matter. And um, I found I found to be that uh, the wealthiest people, and I don't even know how I would find out, but I had one guy who refused to pay my cash rate. Um, he He totally thought his insurance was going to cover everything. And I verified it twice. Um, he just refused to pay the cash rate. He, he never paid actually full price. And when the insurance check came, I think like $67 reimbursed. So I think like total, he paid me $167, um, which is like half price again, essentially now. And uh, I just, I remember him talking about how much money he made in crypto. And like, he was, you know, he had this thing and that thing and that vacation home. And he was the toughest guy to convince that this was a long-term thing. And like, this wasn't a one session and done. He he only came once. Um, And he just was like dumbfounded by the price. I had another guy who on his, on his website says like self-made millionaire. Um, (laughs) uh, He was like, "I've, I've been working with the Jets Cairo. I know the 49ers Cairo. He, actually didn't pay his invoice for like seven months. And he, again, was one and done. So that those two specifically were good examples of like how that's just like that. It's totally irrelevant. Um, And you, and you guys have told me plenty of stories of like how people were like, Oh, this is, I can't afford this. This is way out of my price range. And then like a week or two later, they're like, I'm signing up for a package. So it's second package. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, everything goes out the window with that stuff. Um, and I don't even try to, I don't even look anymore. Like, I just don't care. Don't tell me anything about how much you make or what you do. That's not going to bias my opinion anymore. And it's been much easier to sell that way. So I don't have any expectations, any biases. It's just, everybody's on the same slate, just like how a session goes. There's no pre-planned thing. There's no like sheet handout of the same exercises. I gave 30 other people, everything's different each time. So I have to, that's how I sell now. Right. Very good. No, it's really, really well, well said and well spoken about a lot. Again, going back to the mindset of, of all of this. Absolutely. Um, so what's next? <laughs> um, so yeah, being solo for two years is pretty lonely. I think it's time to, to hire somebody. Um, no, but I had, I'm very blessed that um, I was able to have my wife leave her job and stay home with the baby. That was uh, one of the few moments I was truly proud of myself. And um, at least like, you know, internally and, uh, <laughs> and um, having her now working on the back end stuff is tremendous. Cause she was like, she started to get bored, right? She's like, I can't believe I'm not working and having her help me out doing the, the back end stuff has been a crazy help. And so now I'll be able to afford, um, you know, an, uh, a therapist much quicker than I thought. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to afford a new space much quicker than I thought because she's crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's that I was not doing, especially from the 
those 20% of patients that are insurance-based. Um, she is way, way on top of it, much more than I could ever be. Um, we switched billing companies and they are working together like very hand in hand. So that's great. Um, so if the next steps for me is to save enough for a, for a therapist, um, saving up, saving up for a, a spot. I'd love to have my own clinic slash gym hybrid. Um, that's always been a dream of mine and I feel like I'm not too far away from it. So definitely have that in the, in the near future. And then from there, I never, I never wanted to expand to like, you know, 12 locations. That's just not, not my goal with this practice, but I eventually want to have a team of crazy good clinicians who work hard, train hard, you know, they fit the, the vibe, they fit the logo, they fit the brand and that, um, you know, we can provide the best care in New Jersey. That's ultimately my goal. And not better than us though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 never that never. good. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I like it. And, and I think the fact that you're starting to think in those terms, you know, as we talked about, you know, I, I'm learning how to do this coaching thing as well. And, you know, you're at that point from a revenue perspective where you are, you need that admin, you need that someone that can answer the phones. And so, you know, again, it's chestnut checkers, right? With, you know, you have Brooke now that's helping you out, but eventually maybe she'll go back, maybe she won't. But her biggest thing that she can do, and we've talked about this, is you know create some sort of systems and processes so that if she continues to do it, great. And if she goes back to work, now the person you hire, you don't have to create it all. So it's a, it's a great thing because yeah, she'll keep you organized. Yeah, she'll get things going for you. And if she can do create some of the processes that the next person you hire are going to have a lot better time, you know, from an admin sales perspective. And then you know, and again, it's it, we step by step. So once you get that admin person that can help answer phones. We train them and how to do sales. And then we can start adding a, another sort of digital strategy in place, which now hopefully bring generate leads because right now the only way that you get leads is by you going out and doing your thing, which isn't scalable. And then, you know, you could hire potentially a clinician or a marketer or whoever that is, but it's a step-by-step process. And, you know, as, as I always say, follow the rules, right? You know, we could break them, but um, we know that there's a process and a method typically tried and true that works and, and you've, you followed it. I wanted to hit on, on something else. The thing that I've noticed about you versus everybody else in the group, and again, everyone's strength is their weakness, right? Your your thing, you always you kind of mentioned, I don't have a process and a system, which is typical in your type of personality because you're also very, very fast to implement, right? And so we talk about price rises and things of that nature. And out of anyone in the group who, you know, we looked at your business and basically what would happen, you know, I look at the numbers, I look at how many clients you're treating, I looked at what you're being reimbursed and it's like, you're not going to survive this way. It's over. And so we've got to figure out how to create a pricing structure that works for you and your business so that we can hire and move and, and do all the different things that we just spoke about previously. What is mm-hmm. that in your nature that, some kind of, it's kind of like an effort. Like I'm just going to go and figure it out on the way down. But again, it's, it's, it's a really good quality to have. And I would much rather, it's like the, it's like the, the wide receiver who runs a four, two I'll figure out, I hopefully I'll teach him how to catch, but you're not going to teach the guy that runs a five, two to catch. It's irrelevant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what is that about you if you analyzed yourself and why do you think you kind of take action? I mean, if you go back, you open your own practice right out of school, that's not normal. You know, when you were the first one in the group to raise prices to the level that they needed to be. So what is it about? Why do you think you're, you have that? And what can you share with someone? I, uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, definitely think I get some of that from my dad. Um, he is like, 
just always on the move. He's always had like, we used to say, we used to do a, you there? We used to always joke around that he had like business ADD because like he would just, you know, he had a pink, he had a taqueria in New York city. Then he would have a fishing company in Canada and like, you know, didn't make sense at all, but he was always jumping and, and trying to make something cool happen. And so I think I got a little bit of that. And then in terms of like, in terms of just saying, like you said, like F it and just go, um, a lot of that I feel like is attributed to sports and like just grip and rip. Like there's no time to waste. You hesitate, you die. So why not just do it right now? So the pricing thing scared me tremendously. I was petrified to raise it that high. Um, I think my average price per session was like 120 at one point, just because it was that high. Yeah, it was probably lower. And um, I had people grandfathered in. I had discounts for grandfathers of uncles of goldfishes of nephews. Like, didn't make sense. Yeah. And I had people grandfathered in from the old clinic that I was part time at, and they were super low priced. Yeah. So um, all of those averages were killing me. I was working a lot, but it wasn't showing. And now being much more efficient, like you know, the trainers at the gym that I'm at, they're always like busting my chops that I'm like, Oh, Oh, you're showing up at 10 o'clock. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like we've been here since five. That's that mindset is fine and dandy, but I'm much more efficient now. Um, I'm arguably making more money and I'm not there as much. Well, right? not so, arguably you are making more money. You got yeah. 56% <laughs> yeah. in 2021. Exactly. <laughs> so that mindset, um, I'm thankfully it's not, it's, it's left my brain. Like, I don't feel like I need to work more and see more patients and work more hours and just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop in that term. Am I working on the business and other aspects in regards? Of course. But like, I'm not just like, oh no, I got to treat more patients to make more money. Like that mindset is dead. Thank, thank God. Thank, thanks to you. Yeah, um, good. So I'll go fast and I'll, and I'll go a hundred miles per hour, but I'm going to work hard in something that I feel like is beneficial without creating that burnout, that stress. Um, but yeah, I think it's just all up here. It's, it's a mindset thing. And I think I'm inspired a lot by others that, you know, kind of do the same thing and just not having the fear and just saying, what's the worst that could happen? Let's try it. Yeah. Beautiful. So last question, what would you tell somebody, you know, you've gone through the journey of Cairo business 101, the seven week course, and then join the mastermind after that. What would you tell someone who's on the fence or thinking about potentially doing something and that they might need help? What, what, what would you tell them? <laughs> well, I'll start off with this story. So if you're having questions about how Dr. Justin is as a person, he personally showed up to my first seminar in two years. Um, I only did one prior to that anyway. But you came to the first seminar that I've done in two years. I was super nervous about. You drove down, helped me kind of run it even. Um, you, you helped me with the, with the people there and gave me a lot of guidance on that. And that turned into, you know, discovery visits and patience. So I think that says a lot about you and your character. And that's the person who's running this show. So that's just the surface level stuff. The amount of information that I've learned and... Um, you know, even just like the mindset stuff, like I said, we start every call with, with like some good mindset stuff. Everybody shares their, their wins for the week. Like that's all good energy, good vibes. It, it really shapes your mindset and like your positive outlook throughout the week. And I now look forward to those calls because sometimes, you know, on a Tuesday I'll have a, a, something happen and I'm just like, damn. And then I, I remember like, okay, well, this is part of it. 
Um, and then that Thursday pickup call is just clutch. And we learn way more than I've learned. And I've been in two other groups. Uh, it's not even close how much more we learn. The business is so much more steady. I'm way less stressed. Uh, the people in it are tremendous. Everybody's cool. I get to text and, and call people from the group and discuss things. You know, even your own empo- employee, Ashton, like I get to text him about a discovery session question, like whenever I want. Um, and he's got amazing answers as well. So it's all, it's a good community. And I think that that's huge and it's helped my business too. So mindset and business wise, no brainer. Beautiful. I love it. And, um, you know, where we, we love having you in the group, not only, you know, are you one of the first that joined, but you're having so much success that it's good for everyone else to see. Um, so, you know, we appreciate you being there and, and remembering back where you started in school, no kid, <laughs> no marriage, no house. And yeah. now you're, you know, it is an accomplishment. And I, I get a kick out of, uh, watching you guys, watching, you know, Hannah, watching my team build families, build lives around things that maybe I had a little part in helping with. That's what kind of gets me, you know, gets me going. So I, I love watching your success and I love actually now it's funny cause I always knew your wife, but we never really talked. And now you, she and I together talk you off the ledge all the time, which is quite the, <laughs> it's quite, it keeps me entertained. So I thank you for that. Um, yeah, tell yeah. people <laughs> where they can find you. You do a great job on Instagram. Probably you probably have, you know, the most followers and are the most consistent out of anyone in the group. Um, tell people where they can find you, website, email, all that stuff. So the Instagram and now TikTok, because those are, uh, I, I became a stand-up comedian overnight. Um, RSM Athlete Doc, that's my Instagram and TikTok. Um, email Dr. Jeremy at rsmsportsmed.com. And then the, the website is rsmsportsmed.com, which is newly revamped. Um, very stoked about that. Um, but yeah, anybody can always reach out. I have tons of tons of messages from students all the time. Uh, I set up phone calls. Uh, I just had one for an hour and a half with a student from uh, Minnesota. So that was, you know, that was cool. I have people shadow all the time. So I'm always open to help out the younger people. Um, I'm, well, yeah, I'm always available. Good. I love it. Everyone, uh, you know, everyone that can do a little bit to help sort of move the profession forward. Um, you know, and get people doing what I believe is the best form of chiropractic care, which is that rehab chiropractic model, whether it's clinical or business. So, you know, you're helping out with that too, which I love. All right, my man, I really appreciate this. You did a great job. And uh, luckily, um, you're the first one. So everyone has a lot to live up to. (laughs) Thanks for having me, bro. Yep. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you.